0: what's up guys welcome back to the on base podcast my name is dylan nightingale and today i'm joined by newly signed san francisco giants pitcher ross striplin how are you doing today my man
1: what's up man good to finally put a, a face to the name I feel like i've talked to you forever but i uh, never actually seen you in person so uh, congrats on the new endeavor man thank you so much i mean the
0: last episode we had jano on so having two guys i've been supporting the page for like forever it feels like it's <laughs> definitely definitely huge I don't even know, like when you started following, I remember definitely you guys were two of the bigger guys that started following the page. So I remember being starstruck, probably a sophomore in high school and now <laughs> full circle almost. I'm freshman in college. You just signed a $25 million deal. So that's <laughs> pretty cool, dude.
1: Yeah, man, we're on the come up together. Let's keep it rolling.
0: Of course. In terms of being busy, I feel like it must be wild for you right now, even aside from baseball. I saw Jackson turn two last week already, which is crazy to see. And if I'm not mistaken, I think Shelby's due soon. So how's that been for
1: you guys? Yeah, it is crazy, man. This is a a very exciting and anxious, uh, anxiety-filled time in our lives for sure. New team, new faces, getting to know just a ton of new people, which is fun. You know, I instantly get like 60, 70 new friends, but I'm trying to get my bearings here with the Giants. Uh, I left Houston where my wife and two-year-old son live. She's like 38 and a half weeks pregnant. So I'll be going home probably sometime next week for our second son to be delivered and then right back here to for another outing So uh, and getting ready for the season. So yeah, a lot of really fun and exciting things going on right now, but definitely um, kind of anxious to get through these next couple of weeks and get into the season, get my family out to California, settled in, and then really get going.
0: Yeah, man, I feel like it's all happening at once. Definitely uh, one of the most adventurous starts to. A season I've seen at least from my perspective so wish you all the best with that and I mean like you said spring training is obviously underway and I know Arizona versus Florida is not much of a debate between guys so I'm sure you're happy to be back in Arizona ramping up but I'll let you speak on that
1: yeah you know what certainly no um no complaints about my time in Florida it just Arizona is better the Blue Jays built an awesome new facility in Dunedin which is kind of like a suburb of Tampa. So I was living in Tampa with my wife and is a really fun, like booming city. So we we enjoyed our time in Florida, but Arizona is like, it's like a big reunion, man. Like getting together Mm -hmm. with old Dodger teammates or Dodger teammates that are now somewhere else. And, you know, a lot of us have now grown up and have kids of our own and our kids are meeting and and our wives are getting back together and that kind of stuff. So like nostalgic in that way, Florida's just too spread out, you know, for instance, Kike Hernandez, one of my best friends in baseball. Our wives are really close. Our kids are almost the same age. Never saw them once in Florida because Boston is a couple hours away from where the Blue Jays spring training facility is. So, versus if they were here in Phoenix, we'd probably see them once a week, you know? So, it's it's just a little bit different of a thing. Uh, the weather's a little bit nicer here in Arizona, even though Florida is great this time of year, too. It's just everything just clicks up a little bit, like one notch here in Arizona versus Florida.
0: You just touched upon it yourself, but. I mean Giants obviously have a very exciting roster heading into the season and there are some serious additions made this offseason including yourself but how cool is it to be in a clubhouse with guys like Jock Scott Alexander and Alex Wood again
1: reuniting yeah. with
0: some of the old guys
1: Yeah full circle uh, like you talked about with your podcast earlier it's full circle with my teammates man it it you know Alex was in my wedding he's one of my best friends in baseball as well and you know coming back and and being in a locker next to his is is just great Uh, like getting the band back together a little bit. And then Jock was my double-A roommate in 2013. So we've been together forever as well. Um, Just one of the happiest-go-lucky people in all of the sport. So just having Jock around every day is great. And then, yeah, Scotty. Scotty was like a guy that I kind of lost track of. We were close in L.A. And then as baseball works you get to move apart from each other and you just kind of lose track of where guys are and lo and behold farhan finds him again picks him out and and puts him in the big leagues and he has a great september and, and looking like he's going to be a big part of what we do again so it's cool to have familiar faces for sure gabe kapler was my minor league coordinator farhan was one of my gms in la so that that helps you know really sometimes you're walking into a situation totally blind don't know anyone and we're used to it we're good at like getting along with each other and, and starting fresh and making friends but when you can walk into a, a brand new organization and have six, seven good friends, really familiar faces and and people that you're comfortable being around. It helps a lot.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, just to go back, talking about Scott a little bit, I know everyone knows about the Dodger teammates. We just said Jock and Alex, but I feel like looking back at Scott's numbers, he really performed during his time in a Dodger uniform, and especially in like the big spots, definitely one of the more under the radar relievers for sure.
1: Yeah, he's got a unicorn sinker. You know, he really does. uh, it, one thing that the Dodgers do really well and other teams have started to do well, too, even the Giants with guys like Gosman and some of the others that they've kind of like picked out and they say, you do this really well. We want you to only do that. Um, the Dodgers were, you know, obviously who I came up with and, and someone I'm familiar with. But they were really good at that, like a Max Muncy, a Justin Turner, like guys at other organizations that kind of kick to the curb and they bring them over and they, you know, kind of fix them up. And all of a sudden they're all stars. Uh, The Dodgers have an unbelievable track record of doing that. Scott Alexander, who was very good with the Royals, I'm not saying he wasn't, but he had a unicorn sinker, and we brought him over to L.A., and we're like, dude, throw that thing and and just keep throwing it. And when you want to throw it, don't want to throw it anymore, throw it again because it is a true outlier of a pitch. And now you look at, like, the Rays bullpen, all they have are outliers. All they have are guys that throw from crazy arm angles or have one crazy pitch, an unhittable pitch, or an unhittable sequence – and Scott Alexander is one of those guys. So, um, you know, it makes sense that Farhan would find him again and tell him to start leaning on his strengths again.
0: These sinkers now is it's insane. Some of the run that these pitches had, not even just Scott, but I feel like around the league, I off the top of my head, Clay Holmes, his sinker. I, I feel like it's been such a popular pitch lately and for a good reason. So definitely yeah. cool to see that
1: yet. Yeah, um, You know, I debuted in 2016, and that's really when you started to hear about spin rate and throwing up in the strike zone. You know, these hitters, they're the best in the world, and they've only ever seen things at the bottom of the zone. So we can really take advantage of them at the top. And you saw that for a handful of years. And now these hitters, you know, they are the best in the world. They've adjusted to be able to hit that high strike. Maybe not all of them, maybe not all the time, but some of them can go up there and hit it and hit it for power. And so now you're starting to see the sinker find its way back in. And, yeah, lo and behold, guys like Clay Holmes and Dustin May can throw them 100 miles an hour. So it, it's definitely oh, making, its, yeah, it's making its way back into the game as far as, like, doing things at the bottom of the strike zone again with fastballs. But they're fastballs that are moving 18 inches horizontally at, at max velos.
0: For sure. Let's, uh, let's talk about Dustin May a little bit now that you mentioned it. I, I saw a video of him on Twitter. might have been a couple of days ago. I think it was a video literally from the batter's box. I could, yeah. I, it was a slider too. I can't believe the way the kid throws. And just seeing him come up, obviously, he's still got a way to go, but he's had some big success in the majors so far. But how is that seeing a guy like him coming up, maybe taking him under your wing? You tell me.
1: Yeah, he's a Texas kid. Um, you know, and he, by the time he was like in double A, he was already better than me. So I didn't really need to uh, take him under my <laughs> wing a whole lot. Um, but he's from basically where I grew up, right down the road. Our, our high schools are in the same district, so an area I'm very familiar with. So always cool to have another Texas kid having success in the big leagues. I mean, he just was put on earth to throw baseballs, man. He really was. I mean, he's seems he's like got the, yeah, he's got the length, he's got the ability to create insane leverage, and then obviously he has the strength to to throw the ball as hard as he does. And now he's already plenty good. He's coming off a of TJ. That's a roller coaster ride as far as how you feel physically and getting your feel back, but. I mean, he's got a two-pitch mix as well as other things, but really, you know, like a, a true sinker slider mix as, as good as anyone in baseball. And the future's as bright as it could be for him. So he he certainly doesn't need to hear anything from me. And the Dodgers <laughs> coaching's plenty good to to get him back on track uh now that he's healthy. And I'm sure they're looking for him to have a monster year.
0: I feel like guys like him, the Dodgers have the heavy hitters at the top of the rotation, especially with Julio stepping up the past couple of years, but definitely gonna be exciting to see a guy like that uh, flourish in these coming years. And now yeah. that you mentioned something I learned today is that uh, you underwent Tommy John in 2014. I did not know that. So let's talk about the rehab process a little bit.
1: Yeah. It's um, you know, it's straightforward, man. It really is nowadays. Uh, especially when you have it, you know, at a, at a high minor league level or in the big leagues, you're almost for sure going to go with one of the best surgeons in the country. Mine was Neil Elitrage, uh out there in LA. He did my, my Tommy John. And similar to a running back that has ACL surgery, it's like, okay, that guy's going to come back. He just has to do the rehab. UCL is is pretty similar. Like, honestly, you're, you're likely going to come back even maybe a little bit better and stronger than you were before. You got a brand new ligament, a stronger ligament and you spend a year doing nothing but getting stronger, bigger and learning, you know, your mechanics again and moving faster and all this stuff that we know now about pitching. So it was 2014. It was my first big league spring training. I was piggybacking Kershaw in the first game of spring training and I tore my UCL and I missed all of 14, half of 15. But when I came back, I was, I was good. I was throwing harder. Um, you know, I'd figured some stuff out with my body and my mechanics and, you know, yeah, I had a full year to work on it. So I was, I was in a better place. Yeah. It stinks to see your friends moving on or see kids get drafted and move past the level you were at. And you feel like you're forgotten, but you know, really, man, you just, go through the rehab, it's it's on, honestly almost more mental than it is physical. And once you're back, then you get going again and, and broken the big leagues in 2016. So, you know, about a two-year process before I was facing big league hitters. The more
0: guys we see getting Tommy John nowadays, the more people I feel like forget how much of a mental process the rehab is just because of how slow it is. I've never had Tommy John, but a lot of it is physical. But I'm sure the mental process is a real grind, and you already touched upon that. But how are you able to stay Almost positive while you're going through that.
1: Yeah. um, Looking back, I'm very thankful, even though to their detriment, I had two of my buddies that I got drafted with had shoulder surgeries when I had my elbow surgery. So we were both just kind of wearing a rehab process in Arizona together. We got we got an apartment together here in Phoenix and went through that all together. And that's, that's still two of my best friends to this day. Um, So that was a huge help just having people to lean on and go through that process together. Secondly, kind of what I touched on already, I was always pretty confident I was going to come back physically. So I was never worried that my career was over really um, versus those two guys that I just talked about had shoulder surgery. That's a different animal. You know, when you're getting anchors put into your, into your rotator cuff or your labrum, that's, you know, that's totally different than a, than a UCL repair. So I, I was never in like that dark of a place mentally where I was like, man, I might have to move on with my life. I always knew I was going to come back and have a chance to make it to the big leagues and, and have a chance to, you know, keep fighting for my career and moving up through the levels. So that helped, but kind of also what I touched on, you just seeing all these kids move up and move to different levels, or you're seeing guys pitch and be healthy and you're just envious or see a guy make it to the big leagues, maybe that you were drafted with. And you're like, man, I'm as good as that guy. Am I going to get my chance? So it's, it's stuff like that. where you just feel like you're getting left behind. You feel like you're almost wasting a year of your life. You know, I had my college degree. I was 24, 25 at the time, just spending 14 months in Arizona rehabbing my elbow. So it's just, it's a lot of moving parts. Um, I was away from my girl, girlfriend at the time, now wife, we were doing long distance. Like, it's just all that kind of stuff where you're just like, man, it sucks. This absolutely sucks. But you show up, you get the next day done. And then the next day you build some weeks together, build a couple of months together. And all of a sudden- you're back, you're healthy, you're pitching in games that matter again, and 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 we're going.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's tough, man, but like you said, all about perseverance. You came back in 2015, debuted the next year. But um, let's go back to present day a little bit. You guys are ramping up, you're settling in. How's it been so far working with a pitching mind like Andrew Bailey? I've heard only great things about him ever since he transitioned to a coach, and even during his playing days, he had some real good years. And so do you guys have a relationship before you signed here?
1: So nothing before I signed, uh, but the day I signed, he reached out to me and, and we instantly got that relationship going. We're kind of a three headed monster over here. Bales is, is very good at what he does. But we also have Brian Bannister and JP Martinez, three guys that like really know what they're doing and kind of specialize in different things. And, and um, you know, whether you need help mechanically or with some pitch design stuff or or mentally or, or whatever, they're they're each kind of like, you know, can really help you in, in one way or the other. And they're like a perfect little trio. And kind of what I touched on earlier was like uh, Kevin Gosman, who, who I think he got DFA'd by the Braves or the Reds and was like scuffling, a, obviously a mega draft pick, had some success at Baltimore, was starting to struggle. You're kind of like, oh man, this may, this guy might be making his way out of, out of the game. And the Giants pluck him and turn him into like a Cy Young candidate. And he signs a hundred million dollar deal with the Blue Jays and his his career's, he's the best he's ever been, right? So the Giants do have some track record of really helping some guys in and Andrew Bailey's at the center of that, along with, you know, their analytical team from the top bottom from far on down. So they're just really good. I mentioned it earlier, how the Dodgers are well-oiled machine. The Giants aren't far behind, man. And then probably are just as good, honestly, as as far as like getting information, reading it and, and dumbing it down to us players so that we can understand it and get better from it. And Andrew Bailey is a great coach, but also just a great guy, a uh, great communicator, great at, um, you know, kind of, relaying what he's what message he's trying to get across to help us and we're all different man there's there's 20 of us and you got to work with us each differently i'm different than alex wood who's different than alex cobb and um you know he's just really good at kind of uh compartmentalizing each guy and making us all better in different ways
0: you're coming off a great season yourself so it wouldn't be much of a reclamation project i would say if you had an amazing season with san francisco again but going back into the off season Did you take that into account when it came to making a decision in the free agent process?
1: A little bit, for sure. Um, You know, I was not, I guess I was like sought after, but I wasn't like so sought after that I just got, was going to be able to pick and choose exactly where I wanted to play, right? It, It definitely came down to three to four teams there at the end. And the relationships that we touched on earlier in the podcast between Jock and Alex Wood, but even Farhan and, and Gabe Kapler, like that stuff all matters for sure. Um, you know, I have a family where my wife feels like uh, she she wants to be and feels safe in a city that she's excited about and a team she's excited about going to play for. And just what you hear, you know, I played with Gosman um, all of 2022, and he just raved about the Giants all the time and how great they were and how much he loved being a part of that team. So it was just... Um, really kind of a, a culmination of a bunch of things that made the Giants feel right uh, versus those other teams. And one of them was definitely the track record of helping guys. I mean, Carlos Rodon, who was plenty good, don't get me wrong, there go. but another guy that they turned into a dominator and a guy that opted out and signs another hundred million dollar contract plus with the Yankees. So, you know, the, the list of names is, is big over the last like three, four, Alex Cobb is another one, you know, he's all of a sudden throwing 97 mile an hour sinkers. So it, it, they're just, they have the track record of, of fixing guys, not that I need to get fixed, but of making them better and getting the best out of them. And I'm, I'm excited for them to get their hands on me and, and get to work on that.
0: 100%. And going back to a guy like Carlos Rodon, the fact that he was non-tendered um, going into the 2021 season is absolutely insane. I don't know the numbers off the top of my head, but I can't imagine there's that many guys that were non-tendered at some point in their career and signed a massive deal like he did with the Yankees. But for him to perform as well as he did with the White Sox, in 2021 and then really capitalized with the giants this past year it really does go to show how like great they are with guys like him
1: yeah exactly I mean I think the the 2022 FIP leaders whether you're a believer in FIP or not most of us are were Carlos Rodon and Kevin Gosman between the National League and the American League two one giant one ex-giant and really two pitch guys So how do you get the most out of a two-pitch guy? Well, you teach them to be elite with those two pitches. And, yeah, they happen to have two elite pitches, Mm -hmm. but they still have to go out there and learn how to use them and sequence them and all that kind of stuff. And the Giants, obviously, are as good as anybody at teaching them how to do it.
0: I mean, you had to know this question was going to come eventually, but let's talk about the pitch clock. Um, Were you able to play around with that in the offseason or is that more of just like a spring type of thing as soon as you got into camp? like, So walk me through that.
1: Yeah. So I was part of the CBA discussions as far as when these were implemented. I was the guy for the blue Jays. So I knew these rules were coming and was part of the, you know, thought process of, of, is it good for the game? Should we agree to it? Oh, it's probably coming anyways. You know, MLB was obviously hell bent on making it happen. So that was an an interesting experience to be a part of for sure. I'm glad it's over. Um, and We got a good CBA under our belt and we can worry about that again in four years. Um, I did not focus on it this offseason. season. Um, I've always considered myself not necessarily a super fast worker, but on the quicker side. So I wasn't that worried about it. And then the second I got here to Arizona, it was on for our bullpen. It's been on for our live BPs. And then obviously in these games here this first week, so just kind of getting a feel for it myself, but also watching these early games and, and watching Manaya go through it today on the mound and he didn't have an issue with it. And I know I work just as fast, if not faster than him. So I'm not, as a whole, I'm not worried. I just think, you know, this is the big leagues, man. Sometimes there's 40,000 people on the road screaming at you and you got guys on first and third with one out and you need a punch out. Sometimes you need to step off and take a deep breath. And, and um, you know, that's not part of the game anymore. You don't have that Mm -hmm. luxury. And, and it's going to be interesting these first couple weeks of the season, um, how teams try to take advantage of maybe some young pitchers that are making debuts or early in their big league career. And, and are obviously uh, sinking or swimming a little bit. So it's I think it's going to be good for the game. Obviously, the speed of the game is something, a narrative that's been around baseball for years now, part of my whole big league career. How do we speed up these games? How do we get more action? These rules are going to bring it into play for sure. And uh, we hope you know it gives fans a better experience both at the game and watching at home. And I think it will.
0: It's obviously not going to be pretty these first few weeks of spring training, but it's definitely great that I almost want to say it's great that they're getting it out of the way, like during this time of the year. So once we stepped into the season, it just becomes second nature for most of these guys. And we did see it in the minor leagues last year. So it's definitely something that works and something that's people are just going to get used to at some point, but beyond just the pitch clock, you briefly mentioned that it seems like people are almost downplaying the whole disengagement rule. And I feel like that's definitely going to be a big one as well. Um, Like you said, teams can manipulate younger guys or even, established veterans. It, this is new for everyone. So do you think that's also going to be a big one when it comes down to it?
1: Yeah, for sure. And, you know, really the disengagement thing is the only way to enforce the pitch clock. You know, if you don't have that, then we would just be stepping off asking for new balls or hitters would be calling time or whatever. You have to be able to enforce this pitch clock and through trial and error, you know, we basically decided that's the disengagement thing. So, so to your point, Let's say it's first and third in the eighth inning. We've got a young reliever on the mound, and he's already used two two disengagements. So if he steps off again, it, he either has to pick the guy off or it's a box. so that run would yep. score. The guy from first is 100% just going to start walking to second base.
0: Oh, yeah, he's going to be dancing, for sure. Just
1: start walking because we've been so trained to step off and heave the ball to second base and get him in a rundown because our infielders are elite. They're going to get an out somewhere. But if that guy gets back to first, and then obviously the runner's still safe at third, that is a balk. Even if you step off and you get in a rundown for a second or whatever, and that guy ends up back at first, that's a balk because you didn't get an out, and that run would score, and a guy's at second, and now you still got to get an out. So that's just one scenario in all this. Um, you know, that are going to keep popping up, and and keep uh, you know offenses are going to keep trying to be creative to put pressure on us, and we'll see how it all shakes out. But yeah, early in the season, I think we're going to see a lot of funky stuff like that.
0: I mean, yeah, it's definitely going to be fun. And I'm sure uh, some people aren't going to be happy with the way it rolls out. But like you said, it's all for the betterment of the game. And at the end of the day, it's to speed things up. And I think the fact that we're already seeing these games go by so much quicker in spring training, it's definitely already great to see. So for sure. All right. Obviously, you know, I'm a transactions guy. Yeah. So let's take a look at some of the bigger transactions there in your career. Let's go back to 2020. Take me... like how you first found out you were headed to Toronto and what that was like leaving the organization like you're with for eight years.
1: Yeah. Stressful. Obviously we can all go back to that. Uh, This is like August of 2020. So we're in the throes of COVID. Some probably remember that months prior was the Mookie Betts trade that got Mookie from Boston to LA. And part of that trade for a minute was Myself and Jock Peterson were going to go to Los Angeles Angels for Luis ringifo who the Dodgers were then going to flip to Boston as part of the Mookie trade. Well, the Mookie trade got held up for for some medicals with other people that were in that trade, and I think the Angels got some version of cold feet or whatever, and they banged their side of the trade. So the reason I tell that is is the writing was on the wall a little bit that I was on the trading block, and the Dodgers had been honest with me to that point at. at they had Dustin May and Josiah gray and Tony Gonsolin, and maybe even someone else coming up through the system. Some of them had already even debuted saying, you know, basically there's not going to be innings for you strip as a starter in a Dodger uniform. So to me, the writing was on the wall that a trade was likely coming or my time as a Dodger was coming to an end. I just didn't expect it in the middle of a COVID season. I mean, there's only a month left. I thought they'd probably let me live out the rest of my Dodger career and maybe finish that season. But baseball is baseball on the business side. It shows its head sometimes and Friedman decides to make the move and trades me to the Buffalo blue chase. <laughs> they- um, and my wife is like 14 weeks pregnant with our son Jackson at that time, uh, not feeling the best. And I'd have to tell her like, babe, I just got traded. Um, and so she goes home. I go to Buffalo. I play out the rest of that season. I struggle. And it was just a whirlwind whirlwind. It really was. Um, Kind of what I touched on earlier about the Giants, like in the middle of a pandemic going into a brand new organization and meeting all these friends in a mask and and uh, new teammates and new faces. Brand new division Um, really had to kind of revamp my my arsenal and how I used it in that division. Much different. You know, was used to facing the pitcher. Now I'm facing Giancarlo Stanton, Trey Mancini, J.D. Martinez instead. So it was just a big change, big transition. But honestly, very thankful, man. I loved my time as a Blue Jay. It was a ton of fun. They made me better. Uh, made some lifelong friends over there. So it, it was all for the best. But in real time, uh, it was it was stressful as hell, to put it lightly. Well, sure.
0: I mean, it, honestly, the conditions really couldn't have been worse just between the COVID season. Not of all teams, it's a team that weren't able to play at their home stadium at the time. It's got to be hard.
1: Yep, it was. It was. And, and the Blue Jays did a great job. You know, they didn't have any control over that. So they made Buffalo the best they could. Um, and honestly, we had a huge advantage playing there because no other big league team had any fun coming into playing. That. I remember Garrett Cole many times throwing on that mound and just being like, what? Like, <laughs> throw a pitch and he'd like kind of scoff. Like, God. You just tell he wanted no part of it. So we, def- you know, if, if we were to look at, let's say we played 60, 70 games there in those two seasons, uh, we probably won 50 of them. You know, it, we we definitely had an advantage there. So there's that. But obviously we wanted to be in Toronto.
0: Let's let's take it back to present day a little bit. Is there any players that are standing out for you in camp, pitchers, position players, really anyone that's impressed you so far as we start to ramp up?
1: Oh, man, put me on the spot. Uh, we, <laughs> we, we, we rule five a kid named Blake Sabal from the Pirates, I believe. Yep. who hit a homer dead center in his first game. Um, you know, big league rule five. That means he's got to make the team or we got to send him back. He's a young catcher. We're a pretty veteran pitching staff. That is a big undertaking for him. And he's done great. He's got a really good head on his shoulders, smart kid and the bat speaks for itself. Um, you know, so it'd be interesting to see what we do with him, but he's, he's made a big impression early. I love our rotation. or really just our pitching staff in general, man, we have seven like quality big league starters. We don't necessarily have superstars. We don't have any hundred million dollar guys, but we got seven really good guys that know what they're doing and have been around the block and and know how to get big league hitters out. And the youngest one is Logan Webb, who's probably going to start opening day for us. Um, and then, you know, it's fun to meet some new new guys, obviously. But the guys we signed in the offseason, Mitch Hanniger, Michael Conforto, making big impacts early. Um, you know, we need to keep them healthy for sure, but that's two big bats that that go into a lineup for us and can do damage and and generate some runs um, in a division that's uh, very competitive, obviously. Star power in LA and in San Diego and the Diamondbacks are up and coming. They have like six burners on their team that can really fly and hit the ball. So it's it's gonna be a competitive. Uh, division for sure, you know, so we have our hands full, but we feel like we're in a good spot and and got better in the offseason and we're ready to make a run for this thing.
0: The NL West, as you said, it's definitely, you, you could say it's the scariest division in baseball at this point. Uh, you got the, the heavy hitters at the top, Dodgers, Padres, but the consistency throughout San Francisco and Arizona or even like some guys on the Rockies, it's, it's definitely not going to be easy no matter who you're playing. So very fun to watch. Let's talk about the caching core a little bit more. Um, you got young guys like Joey Bart and veterans on the team trying to make the roster like Roberto Perez. Were you able to talk to any of those guys before you got to camp?
1: Yeah, talk to them all, actually. Um, Kind of one by one throughout the last two months of the offseason, they would reach out to me and just kind of start picking my brain about a little bit of everything, like where I like setups on certain pitches, uh, how I use my arsenal, what I'm working on, anything I want to change as far as usage, and, and, um, you know, just kind of doing – the basic stuff of getting a catcher pitcher relationship going, which is why we're lucky. I mean, we have a ton of catchers in camp. Uh, I'm glad I'm not the one having to make the decision of who all is going to make the team because I think we have three or four really good ones um, that can help us win games and that are really good at what they do. So it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out for sure. But yeah, really all of them reached out to me at some time or another, because I think I a little bit have the reputation of, 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 You know, I I just throw a lot of pitches. I have like six pitches that I kind of use any time, any count. So I think catchers want to get that relationship working quickly so that it's not a huge learning curve once they get to spring training. Because it's a lot. I mean, I'm just one guy. There's 40 pitchers in spring training, and most of our catchers are new to the org, and they're trying to learn them all. So as one with six pitches, it probably makes sense to go ahead and knock me out early and then start making your way through the other guys. Because that is a huge endeavor for any catcher, much less a handful of these young catchers that we have.
0: All right, we got a few rapid fire questions. And I'm gonna I'm gonna let you go. Oh, uh, we got four. So we'll start it off a little controversial, but also easy. <laughs> is a hot dog a
1: sandwich? It's funny, man. I see this one all the time. Uh, I'll just stay with what I. I say no. I don't think a hot dog is a sandwich. I've never like, I've never thought about them in the same mindset as as like a hot dog is a sandwich. I just I don't I don't believe that one at all.
0: Yeah, no. I think it's its own cat its own category at this point I, I hate when people try to make the argument but <laughs> everyone's got to have their own opinion on that all right next one who's the toughest hitter you've ever faced oh, you could think about it
1: yeah it's it, honestly it's easy it's mike trout he, he's in a, a stratosphere by himself especially <laughs> for wrong. me um and i know that's obvious i know you say this is quick but I, I might as well tell i mean he's he's legitimately it's it's worth going to look his stats against me it's something like nine for 12 with three homers, a double and a triple, you know, like it's, it's, it it is ongoing of how I will get that man out because I just don't um, you can beat him up in the zone if you throw hard and like hard, hard, but I don't throw hard, hard. So my up in the zone might beat him once, but if I stay there, it's not going to keep beating him. And he is the best low ball hitter in the world. And the reason he is maybe the best hitter that's ever lived is he just a miss? Like if you make a mistake, he will mollywop it. Versus some other guys might foul it off, pull it foul, swing and miss, whatever. If you make a mistake to him, he's going to hit it hard and especially low in the strike zone. And that's you know that's kind of where I make my bread and butter. I would throw stuff like middle down or chase off, and he he doesn't fall for it. He'll go and get it, or he will just hammer it. And um, that's that's why he's a tough out for me.
0: I almost feel like we take it for granted that he's an active ball player. Like we're literally witnessing greatness. So, I mean, as a baseball fan like me, it's just, it's something I try to like take a step back with every now and then. Pull up the baseball reference page and just really, it's like, yeah, this guy's real. He's he's in the big leagues right now. So it's it's cool, hundred percent. Um, next question. I was actually curious about this one. Which team has the best visiting clubhouse?
1: Uh, yeah, that's actually an easy one. It's the Yankees. Um, the Yankees clubhouse is nice but it's really all the amenities of it um you know the food is incredible it really is like they're serving like steak and lobster and sushi and just like amazing food their their assortment of snacks and uh drinks and just everything like it it, it's it's probably better than half of the home clubhouses i mean it's just that nice as far as how they take care of you and what's available and how they can kind of hook you up throughout the city like you can go to their club and be like i'm trying to take my wife to restaurant xyz tonight they can't get me in can you get me in he'll make a phone call and get you in that night um it just it, it it is the big leagues like if you ever want to think of like what's the big leagues especially as a visiting baseball player uh it's the new york yankees for sure there, there's some cool ones you know boston is stuck it's not nice by any means but it's like stuck in history you know it's like stuck in time um where you're like oh man like Babe ruth might have gotten dressed in this room kind of thing like it's <laughs> yeah. it's it's small it's compact it is not luxurious in any way but you're like man this is this Fenway Park this is incredible and you can like feel the history around you so there's things that are different about different places but as far as just like five-star treatment it's the Yankees awesome
0: I mean I was going to say this earlier and I'm sure you're a little more used to it now that, that you're that you're coming off a couple seasons in the AL East but how cool is that that you're opening up in Yankee Stadium this year
1: yeah it's cool uh it it stinks in that that is a team very familiar in what I do and how I like to get them out. So it'd be nice to maybe uh, uh, face them a little bit later if I pitch that series, but it's cool, man. I've done Yankee Stadium on opening day before uh, with the Blue Jays and it was awesome. Um, So it's a place that lives up to the hype for sure. So that'll be fun. Obviously a team that has big expectations for them this year. So I'm sure that place will be packed and bumping and full of energy. So and, and very unique for the Giants to open up there probably won't happen again for a long time so it's cool to be a part of all right one more rapid
0: fire and I'm gonna let you go who's the funniest teammate you've had so far
1: oh man funniest teammate let me think about it for a second there's so he's a one-off so I'll say him just quickly there's a guy named Trent Thornton on the Blue Jays he's uh wears glasses he's just he, he is like funny all the time. Like there's never a moment where he's not funny, but as a probably a more mainstream player that people have heard of consistently is Kike. Kike Hernandez is hilarious. Um, You know, if you follow him on social media, you can see it or like any of the teams that he's been on, they post him all the time for good reason. He's just always like dancing in a good mood, but he's also very skilled at dancing. So it's like, uh, (laughs) you know, he can like twerk and like move his hips (laughs) in ways that most uh, grown men can't. And, um, you know, he's just got a good beat for like when to be funny and when to be serious, like when to take the game the right way, but also when a team needs a, someone to be a clown and to keep it light and to, um, you know, have some fun. So he's he's the guy that um, has always been in the locker room is like just the perfect asset as far as like keeping it light and airy, but then locking it in when the game starts and, and probably going to make you a gold glove gold glove play or hit three homers in an NLCS game like he did against the Cubs. Um, so he's like kind of the perfect, well-rounded teammate in that way.
0: Yep. Good stuff, man. I mean, that's all I got. I really appreciate you taking the time. Uh, good talk.
1: Yeah. Thanks, man. This is fun. Good luck.
0: Appreciate it.